Hello everyone, welcome to the Memorial Heights Baptist Church podcast. Today's message was given by Pastor DJ Ritchie on August 22nd, 2021, during our Sunday morning service. We have services multiple times throughout the week that we would love to see you at. They are Sunday morning Bible study at 9.15 a.m., Sunday morning service at 10.30 a.m., Sunday evening service for adults at 6.30 p.m., youth group on Sunday nights at 6 o'clock p.m., and Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. We want to thank you for spending time listening today and encourage you to share these messages with a friend so they too might hear the Word of God. But for now, grab your Bible, open your ears, and let's get into it. I was almost as late to uh, Sunday morning Bible study as I was to your wedding, Dave. I was almost as late this morning. I lost my wallet. Praise the Lord. My wife found it for me. But thank God that for all that I have lost, God has never lost me. Amen. He always is with us. He always is with us. You were created to worship. You can't help but to worship. You are a worshiper by design. Now, you are created with the intention that you would worship the one who created you. But if you choose not to worship him, make no mistake, you will worship something. Paul says in Romans chapter 1 that those who have forsaken the worship of the Creator by default then worship the creature instead of the Creator who is to be forever pr- ever praised. We are created to worship. Now the word worship uh, literally in the Hebrew means to bow down. That doesn't mean that every time someone bows down, they are worshiping. But it does mean that whether you are physically bowing down before God, which is a good thing to do. I know we don't have uh, kneeling pews in in our church. We do have an altar that you can come to and kneel at and pray. But I would encourage you at different times, it's great when you pray to get on your face at times, to get on your knees. It's a way that we physically remind ourselves that we are coming to God and humbling ourselves and and worshiping Him. But worship is about humility. It's about focus. It's about sacrifice. And all of us make sacrifices for something. All of us prostrate ourselves before something, even if it's something that God created, even if it's our own image (laughs) that we're worshiping. Sacrifice for our own heart, sacrifice for our own physical desires. All of us will worship something. And God has created us to worship Him. And so please understand that one of the major purposes of the church of Jesus Christ is to be a place of worship. In fact, one of the main descriptions of the church in the New Testament is as the temple of God. Today we are gathered in the name of Jesus Christ. Today we gather as the temple of God. This is a service of worship today. 
we are here to worship. Now, we have seen and mentioned uh, all of the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. Chapter 1, we talked about the needs that we still have to appropriate those blessings and the way that we need to pray for our, ourselves as a church. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, we talked about the birth of spiritual life. And that spiritual life begins, Ephesians chapter 2, when we receive God's grace through faith. That even though we were sinners, as Paul says, without hope and without God, nevertheless, because of His great mercy, His kindness, His grace, God sent His Son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ became a man. And he lived a sinless life that I can't live, that you can't live. And he died on the cross to pay for our sin debt. To pay for the sins of all mankind. Not for our sins only, but the sins of the whole world, John says in 1 John 2, 2. And his shed blood paid the sin debt of all mankind. And he offered that blood to the Father, not to you individually, so that it could be rejected. He offered it to the Father in totality. And the Father accepted the sin payment of all mankind. And as evidence that God accepted it, He rose Jesus Christ from the dead. There is no greater evidence that the debt of sin has been paid than the empty tomb of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is alive today, and because He is alive, He extends the offer of forgiveness of sins and His grace. But Jesus told His disciples after His resurrection, you need to go tell people that they need to repent of their sin and trust in Me. Trust in my death as payment for sin. Trust in my resurrection as the only way to have eternal life in Jesus Christ. And so we have now new life. Now what we're going to see though is that, as we mentioned last week, even though spiritual life begins as an individual decision to call upon the name of the Lord, the moment that we call upon the name of the Lord, we are brought into the family of God and we have family responsibilities. Today we're going to see that we are brought into the temple of God and we have priestly responsibilities. Look with me at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together, groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord in whom ye also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. Do you understand that God is present here with us today? That we are gathered here in His name for His glory and that He is present here in our worship. We are not primarily gathered for ourselves. You understand that the primary reason we come to church every Sunday, and it should be every Sunday, is not for our own benefit. It is for His glory because you are the temple. We are the temple. And yes, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, that you as an individual are a temple of the Holy Spirit. That your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Who is in you that you're not your own that you've been bought with the price that is only after in first corinthians chapter 3 which is one of the passages we're going to look at in a few moments one of the places where where god first says you together are the temple 
of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is here today indwelling us and inhabiting the praises of His people. We gather because He is worthy to be worshipped. Yes, we are one body, chapter 1, verses 22 through 23. Yes, we are one new man, chapter 2.15. Yes, we are a household, one family, chapter 2.19. Yes, we are one bride, chapter 5, verses 23 through 23 through 33 but here this morning in chapter 2 we are also one temple now I want to talk today about spiritual life again and we're going to see today that spiritual life in Christ unites we've been talking about how spiritual life begins as soon as it begins spiritual life in Christ unites and it unites us as a holy temple in the Lord through the Holy Spirit now, I want to back up to verse 18 for a moment, and I want to show you, I'm going to show you six things this morning about being the temple of God. Here's the first thing. I want you to understand that the church is the only temple of God on earth. There is one temple of God today, and it's not in Jerusalem anymore. And it's not even in locations around our community. It's in the body of Christ. It's in the people who are gathered in this place today. There is one temple of God on earth. Now to understand that really we have to go back in time as much as we can in our in our minds to the first century because understand that when the church was born it was countercultural and world changing. Put yourself in the place of these Ephesian Christians for a moment, Jew or Gentile, gathered together. For the Jew, all their life, the temple of the one true God was in Jerusalem. That meant that when they had their high holy days, the Feast of Israel, and there were several of those feasts in which every representative, every male representative of the house had to travel to that place, to that Jerusalem, to worship God together as the people of God, the nation they had to go to a place to worship God. A specific place, one place in Jerusalem. And that's where they had to go to offer their sacrifices. That's where they had to go, for example, on the Day of Atonement. Whenever the high priest would offer a sacrifice to cover sins. Not only the sins of the people, but his own sins. And of course, because of the, the, the blood of bulls and goats and sheep can't take away sin, it could, God in His mercy allowed it to cover sin as a picture of what Jesus Christ was going to do on the cross. It would have to be done every year. God says, I'll let you cover the sin for now, but you've got to do it every year. You can't remove that sin. You can cover it, but every year, once a year. So they would have to travel. Now, this was, remember, Ephesus, the place of one of the seven wonders of the world. The seven wonders of the ancient world, the temple of Artemis, the temple of Diana. And so the Ephesians understood temple worship. They understood going to the temple to make sacrifices, going to the temple to praise their false goddess. But on the day of Pentecost, when Jesus Christ sent the Holy Spirit a promise as He promised to do, and the Holy Spirit gave birth to this new entity which had never existed before, the body of Christ, 
filled with the Spirit of Christ, a new temple was born, a temple that is not brick and mortar, a temple that is flesh and blood, a temple of those who have faith in Jesus Christ. And so now we are corporately, not only individually the temple of the Holy Spirit, but we are corporately, as we gather, the temple of the Holy Spirit, a temple of flesh and blood, not brick and mortar. So the birth of the church was countercultural and world-changing. Notice also the birth of the church was culture-bridging and world-unifying. Because both Jew and Gentile may now be one in Jesus Christ. Jew and Gentile, we are, we are equal in Christ. We are all brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. You don't come to Christ with your works. You don't come to Christ with your baptism. You don't come to Christ with your uh, giving receipts. You don't come to Christ with anything but a confession of faith that is to say, I can't do it. I need you to save me. I'm a sinner. I'm under condemnation. I have, as Paul says earlier in this chapter, I have no hope. I have no God in this world. I need you to be my God. I need to repent of my sin and trust in Jesus Christ. And when you do that, when you call on the name of the Lord, when you truly believe that he died for you, for your sin, and he rose again, and you can be forgiven and you can have eternal life, when you truly believe that and you call upon him, you receive it. And you are brought into the temple of God. Now, we want to treat this building with respect. We want to take care of it as good stewards, but understand whether we gather in this room, whether we gather out in the parking lot, whether we gather at Rocky Gap, wherever we are gathered as the body of Christ, we are the temple. And we are not, we are not unified by ethnicity. We're not unified by economics. We're not unified by the country of our birth or the country of our citizenship. We are unified together by Jesus Christ. This was counter-cultural. This was culture-bridging. This is to be the place where the world can find peace with one another in the temple. We, I don't watch a lot of football anymore for reasons I won't go into, but you know what they are. I've shared with them with you before. But you go into a football stadium this fall, you go to a game, you're going to see people, hopefully you'll see a sea of black and gold as the Steelers are beating up on the Ravens or the Brownies or the Bungles or whoever. And you will see people from all walks of life, all backgrounds, all ethnicity, unifying under the colors of their team, cheering together, standing together, shouting together, sadly cursing the ref, together because they're unified in their devotion to a game. Now, I am too. I shout at the, I shout at the TV too. I don't curse at the TV, at least not anymore, I don't think, but... How is it that we're more unified over a team playing a game than we are the one who died for us? So that we can be forgiven so you don't have to spend eternity separated 
from him and from everyone in hell, a place of darkness, weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth. He saved us for all eternity. He's brought us into his family. He's given us incredible blessings. And we are to be unified in that there is neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, slave nor free. In the church, we are to be brother and sister, one in Christ, spirit-filled worshipers. And if you have the Holy Spirit, and if I have the Holy Spirit, whether you and I get along all the time or not, the Spirit gets along with Himself pretty well. So we should have that desire to gather together. Now Hebrews 10.25 says a couple of things to us. It says that we should not forsake the assemblings of ourselves together. It says that that is the tendency of some people to not want to gather and to not see it as important to gather. But it also says that you're going to see the day approaching. You're going to see the, the day of Jesus Christ approaching. And when you see that day approaching, you better be really committed to gathering together. Isn't that what he says? All the more, don't forsake the assemblings of yourself together as is the manner of some. And to gather together all the more as you see the day approaching. Friend, I see the day approaching. I don't know what you all are watching, but I see the day approaching. I see the world lining up and setting up. The great reset, they call it. It's not a conspiracy theory. They're talking openly about it. World leaders are talking openly about using this pandemic to reset global economies. They've admitted it. It's not a secret. It's not a theory. They're talking about it. They're writing books about it. Just because they're not talking about it on the news doesn't mean they're not talking about it. Everything is lining up. You're, what you're seeing is the Antichrist system getting ready. Get, everything's getting put in place. And you better make sure that your place is in this place. Not just this, not, I'm not talking about this room. I'm talking about the body of Christ functioning together as brothers and sisters in a place of worship for the one who can answer our prayers and can deliver us from evil. This is world unified. This is where the world is going to find peace, even if it's just a little oasis in the wilderness. That's what the church is it's the temple. It's the holy ground where we gather together as brothers and sisters and offer our sacrifices of praise and worship to God. Now, I said I was going to give you six things, so I need to pick up the pace a little bit. But I want you to, number one, see this is the only temple of God on earth. Number two, as his temple, let me remind you, we have direct access to God the Father. We have direct access to God the Father. You don't have to make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem to offer a sacrifice, to try to get a priest to pray for you. You don't have to go down to the church at the end of the street and talk to somebody in a box to get the priest to pray for you. You have direct access. If you are in Christ, you have direct access to God the Father. And if you're not in Christ, you can be. And you can have that access. 
We have direct access to God. Let me read verse 18 to you again. For through him, through Jesus Christ, we both, Jew and Gentile, have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now let me say it again. All mankind is offered this access. Everyone. It's not just for a select few. It is offered to everyone. Even, verse 5, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us toward, together in Christ. By grace you are saved. Raised us up together. That we used to be, verse 12, without Christ. We used to be aliens and strangers. We used to have no hope. We used to be without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Jesus Christ. This invitation is far more valuable than a golden ticket to get you into a fictional chocolate factory. This is the only passport that will get you into heaven. Access to God the Father through the blood of Jesus Christ and His resurrection. This is the access that you need forever. And it's made available to everyone. This is an open temple. The doors are not shut yet. The doors are not locked yet. But there is a day coming when just as God shut the door of the ark, God's going to shut the door of the bridal chamber. And those ten foolish virgins who waited too long are going to be standing outside. And they're not going to get in. This invitation, this access to God was purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's purchased through the cross of the risen Christ, Paul tells us in these verses. That it's by the blood of Jesus Christ, verse 13, that we are made nigh. He is our peace. Verse 15, He has abolished in His flesh when He died on that cross so that we could become one new man. All mankind is offered access those who receive Christ become one new man. We become one new man together by the Holy Spirit. And here we see in verse 18 the work of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit all working together to offer you salvation and when you receive salvation to bring you into the body of Christ and bring you into the temple of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it's the Holy Spirit who baptizes you into the body of Christ, who equips you for work in the body of Christ. That's made possible by the work of Jesus Christ so that we can all be children of the Father, the Trinity at work. And I want to remind you, that this temple access is intimate but also interactive. It is intimate. It's a father-child access. The perfect father who never abuses, who never abandons, who never ignores and never overindulges and never enables. The perfect loving father and his child allows us to enter into his family and have relationship with him. And now all believers have instant, constant access to the Heavenly Father. 
And I want to show you a couple of things about this phrase here that through him, verse 18, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. The word access. It comes from a Greek word that means intimate, face-to-face communication, but also deals with interactive communication. In other words, Jesus did not save you to make you a spectator of what he's doing in the church. He did not save you so that you could attend a church. He saved you to bring you into his family. And guess what? His family has chores. His family does the work. He doesn't do all the work for us. He expect, Now, he does all the saving work for us. Amen. But he doesn't do all of the serving work for us. We are called into relationship with him, and we are then expected to act like we are in a relationship. A father-child relationship. A father-daughter. A father-son relationship. We are his priesthood. And that means that you are here today, if you are a child of God, you are here today to offer your sacrifices. Not just financial sacrifices, but even more specifically the sacrifices of praise and service to God. Do you understand that when we're singing together, we're not singing so that we can be entertained? We're singing so that we can offer praises to the one who saved us? That we can offer praises to the Heavenly Father who sent Jesus so that because He loved the world so much that He gave His only begotten Son so that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And now we have an opportunity to gather for Him to sing praises to Him. And yes, He wants us as part of that to hear from Him and to hear what He has to say in His Word. But this is not the access of attendance. This is not the salvation of spectators. This is the participation of a priesthood offering our sacrifices to God. And yes, the sacrifice of our very life, Romans chapter 12. That's a daily sacrifice. I beseech ye, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. This is your reasonable service. This is your spiritual act of worship. This is your priestly duty is really what the Greek word means there. We have the work of a priesthood. That means that it's that listen, we have prayer we have prayer meeting every Wednesday night. I would love to see even more people. We have we have good attendance compared to some other churches who gather for prayer meeting, but I'd love to see even more people gathered for prayer because listen, we're offering our sacrifices of prayer to God. We're offering our praises. We're bringing our requests to Him together. We're agreeing together in Christ, praying to Him, praying for one another. That is a holy, sacred activity that we engage in. And it's a critical and important activity that we engage in. Hebrews chapter 13 says this. Hebrews 12 has a really intense passage about the fact you better take worship seriously. We're going to not take the time to go there this morning. But Hebrews chapter 13 says, We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat, 
which serveth the tabernacle for the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin and burned without the camp. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go forth, therefore, unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. In other words, he's saying, look, I know what this is going to cost you as Hebrews. I know what this is going to cost you culturally. You want to still go to that temple with that old priesthood offering those old sacrifices that have no power anymore, that have no meaning anymore because there is once for all sacrifice that has already been made. That's Jesus Christ. And those people, just because they are part of that old system that's now dead and defunct, they have no right to, to gather the way that we now have a right to gather in Christ. And so we should go to Christ, wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood. Let us go forth unto him. For here, verse 14, we have no continual city. We don't know what's going to happen with our country in the short term. But I've read the end of the book. If you haven't read it, you need to read it. I know what's going to happen to every nation. I know what's going to happen with every nation. They're all going to turn. There will be one world government. And it will be united against the one true God. And I want all of you to be with me when I'm with him in Revelation 19. Riding on my horse, following him on the white horse with the sword shooting out of his mouth, blood drip clothing, tattoo down the side of his leg. I didn't make that up. You read it yourself. And he's going to crush the opposition so that he can set up a real kingdom of peace, a real kingdom without pain and death, so that he can set up a real place where we don't have to worry about disease and crime and He's going to set up utopia on earth. And that's what we're living for. That's what we're looking for. That's why we celebrate and praise him. And he says here, because he is going to do that in the future, we don't have a continuing city yet. We seek one to come. So verse 15, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name, but to do good and communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. He says, you don't offer the sacrifices of bulls and goats anymore, but you still gather and you still offer the sacrifices of your praise to him, the sacrifices of your thanksgiving to him, the sacrifices of your service to his body, and the sacrifices of your giving. We are a temple. We offer sacrifices. We don't do it, thankfully, the way that they did it for thousands of years but we do it in the Spirit of God. Now, the church is the only temple. As is temple, we have direct access to God to offer our praises. Number three, every true temple is built on one foundation. Every true temple is built on one foundation. Here, Paul reminds us in Ephesians chapter 2 that it is on the foundation of Jesus Christ and the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. Whenever you dig out a foundation, the first stone that you set is the cornerstone. It's the one that stabilizes everything. It's the one that sets the stability of the building to make sure everything else is going to line up correctly. And Jesus Christ, himself, He set Himself 
down as the cornerstone. And then he gave us the New Testament and he gave us the application of the Old Testament. He's given us the apostles and yes, the prophets of the Old Testament. All scripture is God breathed. It's all profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction and righteousness so that we can become mature and complete. And every true church is built on that foundation. There's a lot of places calling themselves a church that are not built on Jesus Christ. There's a lot of places calling themselves a church that is not built on the Word of God. It's built on the tradition of men. Those aren't true churches. Oh, they're called churches. And if you want to call yourself a church, Jesus will hold you to the standard of a church. Revelation 2, 3. Jesus has some harsh words to say to the churches who aren't real churches. And some harsh words to say that those that are, but aren't living up to the standard. But understand that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. There are some people who are going to try to tell you that the church has been, in, uh, been around since Adam. How do you have a church without a foundation? How do you have a cornerstone before the cornerstone came? Jesus Christ, this is new. This is one new man. This is not something that's just a continuation of the Old Testament. This, we are not Israel. We are not Israel. We are something new. We are one new man. And we began when Jesus Christ laid the cornerstone. We, we began when the apostles and prophets were sent to lay that foundation. And now we are built on that foundation, which means we need to spend time every Sunday. And I think you need to spend time every day in this book. Because guess what? We have more availability of this book than any other group of Christians in all of history. We take for granted. If I don't have that with me, I got this with me. As long as I got a connection, it takes me a few seconds to get, to, to get online and to get in the Word. But I want to warn you, availability means accountability. We will be held more accountable than the Christians in the dark ages when the only church in town wasn't a true church and they had the only Bible and it was chained to this so no one could sneak in and read it for themselves. You're going to be held more accountable. I will be held more accountable than the Christians who lived at that time. Just warning you. Jesus built this church. Number four, he built it to grow. He built it to grow. He's the foundation. He laid a foundation. and He didn't lay the foundation so that it would lay there with nothing on it. He built the church to grow. By the way, it's not finished growing yet. You'll know when it's done. Oh, you'll hear about it. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. Voice of the archangel, trump of God. Dead in Christ are going to rise first. And we who are alive and remain will be caught up together in clouds and meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Church is going to be complete, done, finished. And woe to those who aren't part of it yet. Jesus built his church to grow. His message and our message and the message of every true temple is peace with God through faith in Him. Isn't that what He did for us? Verse 
14, He is our peace, who hath made both one, hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of the commandments, contained in ordinances, to make in himself of twain one new man. Verse 17, And came and preached peace to you which were far off, and to them which were nigh. The word for preached here is evangelion. It means to spread the good news. It means that Jesus is preaching to you today that you can have peace with Him. But there's only one way. There's only one way. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. And so the message of every church, the message of every temple needs to be, you can have peace with God, but you have to come by faith. You have to receive His grace. You have to trust in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus built His church to grow. Let me give you the fifth one. Jesus built His church to grow together. Jesus built His church to grow together. This is life in Christ that unifies. We're to grow together. Look at it again. Verse 20, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for a habitation. You cannot do this on your own. I understand we have people who are shut in. I understand we have people who, for various health reasons, cannot be here. I understand that. And we're not trying to set up some legalistic system here. All I'm just telling you is that we need you here and you need to be here and you need to be somewhere as part of some true temple of God, some true place of God, which is worshiping God and offering sacrifices to God and growing together because we need one another. We're going to talk a lot more about that when we get to chapter 4 and we talk about spiritual gifts and, and how every part needs to do its part to work together. But we grow together in Him. The word, one of the words uh, here in the Greek, I'm not going to show it to you, but uh, you can look this up. I use uh, BibleHub.com. It's uh, got a great interlinear, free, very easy to use. One of the words that Paul uses here is the Greek word from which we get our English Lego. I love Legos. I love Legos. But you know what? A Lego by itself, at 12.30 in the, in the middle of the night when you get up to use the bathroom, and your son left it on the floor, and you're in your bare feet, one Lego by itself is an annoyance. But when you put them together, you can build some amazing things. And guess what? We're not just talking about plastic. We're talking about Lives intertwined, people serving one another, people encouraging one another, people confronting one another, people supporting one another, people praying for one another, people grieving together, weeping for those who weep, people celebrating together. We are a place of worship where that's supposed to be ingrained in us as the Holy Spirit who dwells inside of us is working us all together. As Jesus Christ, the master builder, is working us all together. Do you understand that 
what we're doing here as we gather is a sacred thing? It's a sacred. Serving one another is a sacred thing. When you're in the nursery changing diapers, that's a sacred thing. If it allows mom and dad to be here and hear God's word in this room, that's, that's sacred work. That's holy work. Ushering. Helping out with building repairs. Those are sacred things. When we are doing them for the temple so that the Holy Spirit can move when we gather and we're not distracted by leaky ceilings and all of the stuff that when technology fails that we have to deal with. And we apologize. We had technical issues last Sunday night. We weren't able to live stream. Those things happen. Those things happen. But what's going on in the back there with, uh, and with our team that does not like attention that I'm now drawing attention to? Sacred work. Behind the scenes. It's not just, it's not just the preacher. If it is, we are in big trouble. I can't even get to Sunday morning Bible study on time this morning. We're in big trouble if it all depends on me. But it doesn't. It doesn't. Jesus built his church to grow together. Let me close with this, guys. Jesus builds his church to worship together through the Spirit, verse 22. We are builded together for a habitation of God through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is here moving today in a way that he doesn't move when you're at home in your pajamas drinking coffee. Thank God for coffee. Thank God for pajamas. Thank God. Thank God for live stream when you can't make it to church for whatever reason. But the Holy Spirit is work the Holy Spirit is present today. Is working today. Friends, this is the temple of God and when the temple is forsaken by lack of priority in our life and I've been there. I've been there. I work third shift as a social worker, and I get off work Sunday morning, 9 o'clock, 9.30, drag myself to church most Sundays. I've been there, I know. Not, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to preach judgment on you. I'm trying to encourage you that, God, you're going to miss out on some things. The temple is forsaken. Growth and testimony are hindered when the temple is in conflict. Ever had conflict in church? The spirit is grieved. Prayers are hindered. But when the temple is yielded to the Holy Spirit, worship abounds and God is glorified. Now, there was a lot that I wanted to cover this morning. I wanted to go to 1 Corinthians 3. I wanted to go to 1 Peter chapter 2. We got lots of time to go to those, Lord willing. We have lots of time to go to those passages at other times. But listen, I want you to see yourself as the temple of God. I want you to see this as sacred ground when we gather together. That we're offering praises to God. And again, it's not the external stuff that we're, that we're talking about. It's not putting on robes and putting on some kind of liturgical thing that we're making, trying to impress God with some kind of show. It's our hearts united in worship by the Holy Spirit, giving praise and glory to the One that will live and serve forever. Would you stand as we close in a hymn of worship and a time of invitation? Father, God, may our hearts be pricked
today to have a deeper sense of how awesome it is when we get to gather as your temple, to be the temple of God and the awesome responsibility that that places on each of us. Father, may you be honored by the worship that we bring you today. We ask this all in Jesus' name, amen. Well, that's all for today. I hope this has made a positive impact in your relationship with Jesus. If you have never accepted Christ as your Savior and would like to know how, give one of our pastors a call at 301-724-5876. We would love nothing more than to share the good news with you. We hope to see you soon, and until next time, stay faithful.